This is Channel 253. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. This is the We Art Tacoma podcast. Welcome back to another episode of We Art Tacoma. I'm Eric Hanberg. I'm producer Doug. How are you, producer Doug? I'm fantastic. It's a beautiful day today. It really is a beautiful day. And our guest on this episode is Sarah Ioannidis, who is the musical director and conductor for Symphony Tacoma. Doug, I'm curious, what was it like to hear her talk about, uh, you know, her art and her music this way? Uh, well, you know, I'm sort of a musician, but she's one of those real kind. And <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so it was fascinating. Um, she's articulate and powerful, and her performances as a conductor are the same. This is a great interview. It is a great interview. Let's listen in. All right. We are here for uh, We Art Tacoma, and my guest today is Sarah Ioannidis. Did I say that correct, Sarah? You did. Oh, wonderful. Thank you, Eric. Uh, you are the, the conductor, is that what I understand, of Symphony Tacoma? Yeah, I'm the conductor and the music director at the same time. I have two roles. Two roles. Well, uh, you've been here for five years, you told me, right before we yeah. started recording. How are you finding Tacoma as a, as a music uh, town? Oh, this is a fantastic place to be. Art is great here. There's so many different kinds of... Artistic events, collaborations possible, so it's a great uh, potential and and opportunities for Symphony Tacoma to to really have a blast with all sorts of different types of um, meaningful partnerships. Hmm, that's nice. You said um, you've been here for five years, but you only officially moved to Tacoma last year. How does that work? So um, when I was hired here, I was also the music director of Symphony uh, in in South. Carolina, so okay. Spartanburg Philharmonic Orchestra, and um, so I was living there, and also we have a base in Connecticut where my husband works, so mm. we, for the first three years plus, uh, were commuting. For Cross-country two, commuting? Yeah, yeah, living in three places, schooling children in three places, and and really traveling pretty hard. Yeah, um, frequent yeah. fly miles, I fly Alaska, hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, children as well. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, three. And you, but you're you're here now. Is that is that correct? Yes, yes, we are. Um, so we still have a base in Connecticut. Um, so mm-hmm. Scott's teaching at Yale, mm. and uh, oh. we we both we still travel a lot. But this is kind of home base for the myself and the kids. Yeah, and is, Scott. Is that he's here. is that common in the for a, a music director or conductor to be in a in a couple different organizations yeah, like that it, it is um even at the highest level music directors are in two or three positions at once wow. in, in high demand um some of them conduct several concerts a week some of them conduct several concerts a month um i i do conduct uh, several concerts a month not every month but um and in different places so i do a lot of juggling and traveling mm-hmm. um it's a complicated schedule yeah and i lifestyle. can imagine do you make it easy on yourself by saying like we are doing beethoven all year in all places like like how well, does that work <laughs> i wish <laughs> no you um 
fortunately, in, in a way, I have a, a very large repertoire list of over 500 works that I've conducted. Wow. Um, so I can pull on repertoire that I have done in the past, um, but I really try to program to suit the orchestra, the community, what's been done, what hasn't been done. And yeah. I also challenge myself by adding new pieces every year and also commissioning new works. That's really wonderful. How does one become a conductor? Well, it's good idea to start on an instrument or two or three, or sometimes, you know, in my case, I studied violin, piano, French horn, singing. I even picked up a bit of saxophone, guitar. You know, you basically need to learn a lot about Sounded like how... everything but, per- but percussion there is. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, percussion is really important, actually, sure. because you're giving the beat and, yeah. and you have to be rhythmic. Yeah. So um, I did actually play timpani. Oh, okay. Um, there you go. So... Um, not on a regular basis, but yeah, you kind of need to understand all the orchestras, uh, the instruments in the orchestra, how they work, and it helps if you have an idea about composition. So, um, structure of music, the the language of music, and of course, I studied a great history of music at Oxford University. Then I went to Juilliard and studied conducting, um, as well as Curtis Institute of Music, and came came on a Fulbright study to uh, really get to the bottom of. Um, technical aspects as well as, um, you know, the understanding of the leadership aspects and the rehearsal technique and all of that kind of thing. So I, I don't think I'm going out on a limb here when it sound, when I say that it sounds like you really like music. <laughs> well, you kind of have to. That's what I'm uh, thinking. Most musicians do do this because it's their calling, it's their passion, it's, their, it's what they believe in. Um, that's certainly the case for me. Um, you know, some... Musicians, we, we need to often have more than one job um, just to make a living. Mm-hmm. Um, this is non-profits arts world. And, um, you know, it, it's it's a challenging as any uh, profession to have. And you are you testing yourself. You have to you're only as good as your last performance. You have mm. to uh, continue to practice. You're you're not sort of ready, set, go for the rest of your life. Once you get through your training, you have to keep up your skills. You have to keep practicing. So it's pretty intense, and I definitely felt a a strong calling to do this. And I was always thinking, well, if it doesn't work out, there's other things I can do. And, you know, there have been times in my career where I thought maybe it's time to call in one of those other things. And then there have been times where I actually did do other things um, when I was doing conducting part-time. But certainly the last 10, 15 years, it's been pretty full-on intense um, working as a professional conductor. Is, is there something about uh, the symphony or the orchestra style of music that really calls to you? Like, like why, why go into that particular uh, genre, if I, for lack of a better word? Well, I think the immersion in this form of art is um, so extraordinary. Um, anybody who's sat on stage, played in an orchestra, felt the vibrations of being surrounded by incredible uh, acoustic instruments with multiple harmonies, rhythms, uh, the the diversity of the the material we play. You know, we play music from right back from the you know mostly 18th century mm-hmm. all the way to the present day. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a huge uh, span of history with such a diverse range. So, you know, I love Tchaikovsky, Stravinsky, Debussy, Beethoven, Mozart, um, Schumann. I mean, there's so, it's so deep, that well, that you can 
immerse yourselves in and and, and you're sharing um, the deep philosophical thought and, and understanding of of humanity over hundreds of years and a high art level of complexity that can also be, even if you don't understand how it's put together, the message gets to you right away. So um, yeah. I find it very powerful. I uh, I had the, the opportunity when I was growing up, my friends were playing in the youth symphony here in Tacoma. And so I would go to the Rialto, um, and this would have been in the 90s, and see my friends, you know, play um, in, in the symphony. And so I was exposed to work that I probably never would have sought out um, in some ways. And it's it's interesting to know those performances, to feel the way, you know, unexpectedly. I didn't know that um, Copeland had taken simple gifts and put it into Appalachian Spring. Like I knew this – I kind of knew this tune, but I didn't mm-hmm. didn't know that. And so I'm just there to watch my friends and suddenly, I mean, there's this just rich, powerful music um, yeah. that, that just really struck me. It's, it's a really wonderful thing to, to dive into. You don't uh, – I didn't expect it, but it, it turned out to be a real joy. And you spotlight there something that I think is really um, an important legacy, you know, taking an old folk melody and perpetuating it, making it mod, making it current, making it present um, into t- today's day and age. You know, we can we can call upon all of those melodies from whether it's Tchaikovsky and, you know, put it in, in its new light and it's carrying forward some of the culture and history of our our humanity, which only humans can do, of course. Right, <laughs> right. And and I've got the other side of it too, which is I'm a I'm a film nerd, and I used to be the director of the Grand Cinema, and just I lo- you know the soundtracks, and like if you really love soundtracks, I mean, so many of those are either derivative of classical music, you know, like when you look at Star Wars and. Um, you know the new new world symphony or something like that. I mean, there's so many clear parallels in the in the music. Like, it's fun to see how that history evolves and, and yeah. grows. And I love the fact that um, movie scores they use live orchestras. I mean, yeah. that that is just the best thing. It's the best sound. You know, you can't quite reproduce. And in a way, that's why I think symphonies haven't been replaced by um, modern music because it's it's such a special individual unique sound and when you have a performance it's always one time and it's going to be different every single time it's yeah. living breathing it's living art yeah and and it seems like like some a lot of symphonies are really content you know they're not trying to just live in the past you know they're they're moving forward they're they're doing soundtrack you know they'll, they'll do us something from a soundtrack i even read about something where someone's doing like a video game yeah we've uh, done that okay yep we're gonna do it again next year okay yeah that's Video really games cool. live wow. with the orchestra and and visuals. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I think that I think that that that's where people experience it, and so moving moving into that makes makes a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what would you tell someone who is interested in playing in a symphony and moving into maybe even conducting? Like, is this something? What what should they start? What should they start doing? Let's 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 say that they're in they're young enough that they still have some school opportunities. For well, I host a masterclass in conducting. Um, oh. it's, this is the second year. It's called Cascade Conducting, and so uh, we welcome auditors, people to just attend that um, to watch how 
conductors learn. We have musicians from Symphony Tacoma playing in that masterclass. Um, and we also invite conductors themselves, if they play an instrument, to play in the orchestra hmm. as well. And that's one of the ways that I actually started conducting was, was from playing within an orchestra. You have a unique perspective there. You know what you like, you know what you don't like, you know what you need, you know what you're not getting. Right. And that's a really important Side. So you asked me earlier, you know, do I play an instrument? It's like, well, absolutely. You absolutely. Know, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it without being a musician in my heart and a musician uh, by, by trade, by training. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, check it out. Cascade Conductors. Okay. Okay. Well, that's a good time uh, to take a quick sponsor break. And then when we come back, we will talk about the upcoming production of Symphony Tacoma, which includes uh, a classic of Beethoven and also a new piece with a world premiere. Stick around. This is Nate Bowling, host of the Channel 253 sister podcast, Nerd Farmer. Fam, you know I'm all about travel. I love traveling to away games for the Sounders or Tacoma Defiance. I love visiting new cities and cultures. And that's why I'm so grateful to have a hometown airline like Alaska right here in my backyard, because they get me wherever I want to go. If you haven't heard yet, Alaska Airlines is sponsoring an amazing opportunity for members of Channel 253. Anyone who is a current member of Channel 253 on June 17th, 2019, will be entered to win air travel for two anywhere Alaska flies. Got that? I'll say it again. Join Channel 253 anytime between now and June 17, and you will be eligible to win air travel for two anywhere Alaska flies. That means Cancun people, Cabo, D.C., Pittsburgh, Vegas, Columbus, Anchorage, San Francisco. I'm just listing great cities now, but you get the idea. Sign up for Channel 253, support what we're doing, and be entered to win Air Travel for Two. To sign up, visit channel253.com Alaska. Terms and conditions apply. To all the fine people of Alaska Air, thank you for sponsoring this promotion and for your longtime support of Channel 253. And welcome back. Uh, Thanks to our sponsor. And this is just a quick plug to say, uh, if you are enjoying this show, you should consider becoming a member of Channel 253, $4 a month or $40 a year. And uh, I will also say that we have that promotion going on where anyone who is a member of Channel 253 on June 17th uh, will be entered to win a round trip airfare for two on Alaska Airlines. So uh, that's a reason to join. Okay. So we are back with Sarah to talk about the upcoming show, Performance Symphony, that will be on May 11th at 7.30. And we have two pieces to talk about. Which one do you want to start with first? Let's start with Beethoven. Okay. Start with the classic. Symphony Number no. 9, Beethoven. So my daughter is uh, kind of learning piano. Mm-hmm. And Ode to Joy is one that she was plucking out. And she asked, what is an ode? And I told her it's like when you like something. And so she wrote, I like joy with a little picture of Beethoven here um, as she was uh, trying to pluck this out. But even even in these like one note little things, I can still hear Ode to Joy. It's just that iconic piece of a music. But it's part of something much larger. Do you want to talk about why? Uh, the Symphony Number no. Nine and Ode to Joy still resonate so many years later. Well, absolutely. Uh, this is this is a work that has been hailed, you know, since I say nearly two hundred years, written in eighteen twenties, and uh, taking incredible um, energy and power. Composer after composer has written how awesome this this piece of music is and how Beethoven is basically like God and and nobody can reach him and and this piece is all about transformation 
uh, from darkness to light. And the journey of Beethoven's was really difficult, you know. He, he was deaf when he wrote this, and to go through that journey, go, go through his life and, and how he struggled and how he struggled to be recognized, how he struggled to sometimes to be a composer. There were periods of quietness and, and how the turnaround with, I suppose, acceptance of the situation is finding that happiness and that spiritual light, whether it's the divine ecstasy, which this piece is all, all about, and you know, uh, there, Schiller's ode to joy is the, is the word, the words that he's taking from, and and die Freude from the joy, is is really um, about finding commonality and brotherhood and um, happiness in in our joy, the lightness in our life. And transformation from being in a dark place to light. It's always going to be relevant. We it's could use that right now, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important. And and to start the program, we've actually commissioned um, a wonderful female composer who's um, called Hannah Lash. And she's writing a piece that's titled In Hopes of Finding the Sun. Hmm. Sounds like us in like March. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's it's really attributed to Beethoven Nine and this amazing journey of of seeking light. Um, and both pieces use the full forces of Symphony to Cut My Voices. Uh, we've Sorry, also they, they use what now? You, the, you said the full forces of the symphony orchestra, but also okay. we've got this massive chorale that sings the Ode to Joy in the Beethoven Nine, but also sings on Hannah's uh, commission. Um, and we'll have about 100 singers singing this with us. Um, this both, is going to be a very full stage. <laughs> it, it will be massively full. We will probably not have any any room to spare. <laughs> um, but we do have four really spectacular soloists as well. But with Hannah, uh, Hannah's work, it's really about tributing Beethoven and recognizing where we are in today's world and of, you know, in darkness in, in, in many places and seeking the light um, with Beethoven's work as inspiration. What does that involve to commission a piece of, uh, I mean, a, a massive piece of art. Like, like it. This is this is a really big deal. What does that take when when you call up Hannah Lash and you'd say, "Can you do, can you do a riff on Beethoven?" Like, like, <laughs> how does that work? Well, first of all, you have to um, you have to select the composer. Sure. That that can be a hard job in itself. You know, there are, there are so many incredible composers. Who's the right fit? And I and I'm really looking for somebody who will bring the right style and air and, and um, you know, won't take anything away from Beethoven 9, but will sure. hold it up in, in respect and, and, and play something. So I, lo I was actually looking for a composer who had a, a certain um, lightness and, and beauty and um, transparency visibility as, as well as a, you know, really strong individual voice. Um, I was looking for a woman composer mm -hmm. because we need to give women the stage. Um, 
because many, many works on most orchestra's programs, are, of course, from the last hundreds of years. And, and uh, during those last hundreds of years, women were not really um, given that opportunity. So mm-hmm. this is a wonderful time to give as many opportunities. Um, this is probably, I think this is the fourth uh, world premiere that I've done with Symphony Tacoma. So once you've found the composer, you're really looking for um, building that relationship. Are they interested? Do they have time? Many um, composers such as Hannah Lash, of somebody of that level of recognition, renowned, you know, she's had works performed by the LA Chamber Orchestra, commissions, you know, internationally, nationally. So she's she's pretty busy. I have to see if they've got a spot in their calendar available in the next two years, you know. Oh, my. And then, you know, you have to see if they, they're interested, um, if they have time. And then, of course, in her case, she has a publisher. Um, we have to get the two organizations together, talk about... So we talk about mutual common ideas about what this piece is going to represent, uh, why it's important for me, what I'm looking for, what I'm looking for for the orchestra and for the audience. Um, And then sort of let them think about it, let them come back with ideas, see if it's a a natural fit, and then start taking care of the business side of it. You know, you have to raise money for the commission fee um, and get all of that sort of knuckled down, when do we need music by, when do I need a score by, when does the choir need music by, all, all that kind of different different stuff. And, wow. you know, then it's about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and we all have to get ready, ready for it. Well, will she exciting. be in Tacoma for, for the premiere? Of, she will. That's great. Yeah. That's really wonderful. I, I, I have to imagine that that's a, a pretty wonderful feeling for a, a composer when someone someone asks them to do that and pays them to do that and then they get to see it yes it's pretty exciting and yeah. and Tacoma gets gets to hear it right and and we give birth to something you know it's it's our piece uh, a couple of years ago I commissioned a work by Daniel Ott and it was seven partner collaboration with um, funding from National Endowment of the Arts and um, some wonderful sponsors dear friends of ours as well as um, a partnership with the Glass Museum, the Hilltop Glass Artists, Mount Rainier National Parks, our orchestra wow. and the choirs, and Lincoln High School. And so there was a lot of education projects. So the, the, there's many things that then go beyond just creating the music and having it sit there, but but relationships that develop over this time period and um, circling back with those people pieces and and trying to use it as an opportunity to inspire our culture our children our our community Mm -hmm. um, to to be creative and to to seek um everything we possibly can for what the vision is what what tacoma can be what what music can be for people and um really be an inspiration and an opportunity for people to develop from from this opportunity. I think that's a really important point just because um, it's not just that performance. It's then how you can use that to, as you said, you know, educate and inspire, um, put instruments into the hands of youth and uh, or show them something that, you know, they maybe hadn't seen before. Um, It's pretty great. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the show again, or the show, excuse me, the performance, Mm -hmm. as I look through my notes here, is going to be on May 11th, 730 at the Pantages 
100 people from the Bremerton Choral Symphony. Well, I'm just going to chime in there and say we, we have the Bremerton Symphony Chorus joining our own Symphony oh. Tacoma Voices. Oh, my goodness. So we've expanded our choir for this special occasion. So it's going to be two two choruses together just to get that. Yeah. 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 We we have an incredible director, Jeffrey Bors. He's, he's the head of choral program in... in uh, Seattle, uh, UW program in Seattle. Um, he's a wonderful director, so he'll be leading those. And um, you know, we're, we're thrilled to have uh, Bremerton Symphony Chorale with us. And we have four spectacular soloists. And, yeah, this is yeah. going to be exciting. That exciting is really time. exciting. I think Doug, who's also a mu- musician, wanted to <laughs> chime in here. I was wondering what the total number of voices there will be for the performance. I think close to 100. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. Pretty close to 100, yeah. Plus, plus all of the, the musicians in the symphony, and yeah. it, that sounds like a, a wall of sound that is going to be... Uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty impressive. And the Pantages is new, newly renovated. It's beautiful. So it is gorgeous. Um, so if you haven't got out there yet, I think this is a wonderful wonderful time to come out and, and be part of something that celebrates life and the journey from darkness to light. Yeah. Do you think so? I have a, a newly minted seven-year-old. Do you think that uh, this is the kind of thing that a, that a, someone who has been plucking away on the keys of, of "Ode to Joy" might uh, appreciate, or do you think that that we might be stretching her attention? Well, a you bit? know, um, it's a good question because I have young children, and I I, I do bring my children to performances, and, and often. Well, mostly have. So they've grown up with that. Um, so it really depends on your child and how ready they are. Beethoven 9 is a long work. You know, it, it's 70 minutes from start to finish. It's wow. four movements. The choir, the, the part that everybody knows really happens at the end. Okay. So you have to be really patient if you're... But but the rest of the symphony is extraordinary. I, I was I was listening it to today as I was preparing for this, and, and it, it was beautiful. Yeah, We do have children's programs. We do have Peter and the Wolf on May the 5th. Great. Um, and that's at UPS. And we have a lot of... Uh, uh, Education programs actually beyond what we do with the symphony. So I'd say if your if your child is kind of a starter bee, you know, um, maybe bring them to some of our other programs. This this is kind of a, a, a long sit unless you know you're you're close to the exit door and you can come in and yeah. out if they're a bit shuffly. But we do try to encourage you know young audiences to to come family concerts. But but this is I think. Sounds like it might be a little long. It might be long. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to be warning. If I bring my kids, I'm going to be warning them. This is yes. this is a long bring. I often have them bring a, a, a notebook or a sketchbook yeah. or even a book to read mm-hmm. so that they still get the absorption of, of music at the same time. Yeah, so that's good advice. There. Okay. Final question, and I'm going to put you on the spot because I didn't prepare you for this in advance. One of the things that we like to do on the show is just give – Guess the opportunity to give a shout out or kudos to some organization or person in Tacoma whose work, artistic work, you really uh, respect or really like right now and just want to give them a plug and say, here's a gold star. Good job. Anyone come to mind or any, well, or any organization you know, I, come to mind? Yeah, actually, um, I'd like to give a good plug for um, my PT trainer, um, my physical therapist, okay. and uh, 
strength and conditioning trainer, Alison Unterreiner. Okay. Um, she's an incredible person and is helping prepare me for an upcoming half marathon, which is a fundraiser for Symphony Tacoma. Yeah. And this is to overcome, I've had two knee surgeries in, in my profession as a conductor. And so being able to have that strength and also, you know, it's a very demanding physical job on the podium. Mm -hmm. So having her help, um, and she works at the South Sound uh, Hand and Physical Therapy um, in Tacoma. Yeah, so that is not where I thought you went, but I like it. That sounds great. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Uh, and again, just to remind people, uh, May 11th, 7.30, we'll put a link in the show notes. Thank you, Sarah. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. This is Channel 253.